Well, tonight is session 12. It is our final session together. It's been a pretty fast 12 weeks. And uh, I want to, as I have each session, give thanks to Dr. David Jeremiah for his book and acknowledge his work. And uh, I want to say thank you to those of you who have finished this course. Uh, we started with about 220, and we've kind of bottomed out at about 180. So I'll take the 180 and say hallelujah. I'd like to have two... 30 and we picked up in the, in the session, but I'll take what we can get. So I want to pray tonight and then we'll get started. Father, I thank you for the word that has given us this 12-week session. I thank you for the hope that we have in the revelation. For we don't have to guess about what's coming. We don't have to uh, wonder what's ahead of us. You have clarified it. You have placed the desire for heaven in our hearts and you've given us a way to reach your presence. And tonight we just thank you for the journey we've been on. Lord, I thank you for uh, your faithfulness, for your Holy Spirit. And I ask again tonight that you will open our minds to understand your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's do just a quick review. It's on your handout, because I want you to understand how far we've come in 12 weeks. The revelation begins with Jesus revealing his messages to the church of that day and the future church. Session number two was the souls of the martyrs or during the tribulation crying out to God for justice. Session three was the 144,000 Jews sealed and sent out with a final call to come and be saved. Come and die. Because that's what it's going to mean during the tribulation. Session four was the two witnesses preaching and then they'll be killed by the Antichrist. Session five was the dragon, Satan, the false god. Session six was the beast from the sea, the Antichrist who happens to be the false Christ. Session 7 was the beast from the earth, the false Holy Spirit. The unholy trinity has been revealed. Session number 8 was the day, the day that some have been dreading and the day that many have been anxiously awaiting, the day of Christ's return. Session 9 was the king. The thing that makes the day the day is the king. And the king begins a 1,000-year reign on David's throne. Session number 10 was Judgment Day. I like to refer to it as the Great White Throne Judgment. It is the second resurrection. And the dark side of that resurrection, that it is the resurrection unto death. Last week was Revealing Hell, session number 11, which is the eternal death. Tonight will be session 12 and after all that. The great white throne judgment ends with this scene, this verse. Revelation 20, verse 14. Two weeks ago, we closed the great white throne judgment with this phrase. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name Anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life 
was thrown into the lake of fire. Is that the end of Revelation? <laughs> no, no, no. In fact, that kind of sounds like the end, doesn't it? Anyone whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life is thrown into the lake of fire. Kind of sounds like the end of the story, right? But that's not the end of the story. What comes after that? The name of this last session is after and after that, after Revelation chapter 20, what happens? What could follow up the lake of burning sulfur? What can follow the great white throne judgment? What could be next? This is not the end. Maybe you could call it the end for unbelievers, and I guess that's true. But that's not what I'm looking forward to. That's not what I'm excited about. That's not why I'm teaching Revelation. If that's the end, I wouldn't doubt this book. This is not the end. When you read Revelation chapter 20, it's not the end. It is only the beginning of the beginning. And after that is the beginning of the beginning. It is eternity. Now listen, there's not a person in this room whose mind can fathom that word, including me. Buzz Lightyear tried, but he couldn't do it. He said it to infinity and beyond. What's beyond infinity? Our mind cannot grasp the word eternity, infinity, that there is never an end. What comes next is what keeps me going. I'm going to tell you what, if you, need, if, you, if you need a day in which you need something to keep you going, read 21 and 22. Revelation chapter 21 and 22. What comes next is what keeps me in the race. I'm pretty excited about the rapture. That might be the understatement of my lifetime. I'm pretty excited about living with Jesus and having during the tribulation in a brand new body. I'm pretty excited about returning to reign with him on this present earth for a thousand years. I'm pretty excited about this stuff. I'm pretty excited about living on this present earth in an immortal and an eternal body and watching people born and live to be older than trees. Can you, can you grasp that? But what about after then? That's what I'm trying to do tonight. What about after that? Sometimes we hear those things, the rapture of the church and new bodies, and we go to the wedding supper of the Lamb, and then we come back here, and we think that's the end. No, 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 no. It's not the end. You can't even use the word end anymore. You cannot use the word end anymore. You'll have to throw it out. There is no end. I'm so glad the revelation doesn't end with the lake of fire. Amen? Chapter 20 is the great white throne judgment and the lake of fire, but I proclaim to you tonight there's a 21 and a 22. <clears throat> if you are in Christ today, chapter 21 and 22 are yours. It's yours. God gave it to you. He's not going to give it to you. He already gave it to you. You're just waiting for it to materialize in front of you. They describe your eternal future, your destiny, your destination. We go from the lake of, the fire, lake of fire for the lost to what I'm about to read right now for believers. Revelation 21, verse 1. Here we go. We're in the home stretch. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain, and all these things are gone for how long? Forever. All these things, the former way of life is gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. You know what that translates in English? Everything means everything. That's what it means. I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. It's finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. And all who are victorious, all who are victorious, all who are victorious. Remember that phrase. You're going to need to know that phrase. All who are victorious. Well, what if you're not victorious? Then 21 and 22 aren't yours. I mean, 20, yeah, they're not yours. They're not yours. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. The victorious ones are going to get the blessings. All who are victorious, the NIV uses the word overcomers. All who overcome will receive all this. What? Chapter 21, chapter 22 is yours. A new heaven and a new earth. Somebody might look at me and say, well, you know, I'm just fine on this present earth. Thank you very much. You're going to find out tonight why that will not be a sufficient position. I'm just, I don't need a new heaven and I don't need a new earth, preacher. I'm happy right here, preacher. You won't survive here. It's coming to an end. Everything has been announced. It's coming to an end. John gives us a glimpse of eternity. I can hear Jesus looking at John and say, write it down, John. He's seeing it. Write it down, John. I heard Max Licato call it this chapter 21 and 22. He called it the land of no more. Interesting perspective. No more tears, no more death, no more crying, no more pain, no more Satan, no more last days. No more, no more, no more. Sound like a country song if I just had a dog in there somewhere. The old way is gone. Everything's going to be made new. Focus on this one verse, you believers in Jesus tonight. This is the goal. This is the prize for those who will be victorious. Those who will overcome and persevere through the storms and trials in life. Those who get up in the morning and just get back out in the race. Because you know how this thing ends. It's a terrible race sometimes. Sometimes it makes you not want to get in the race. It makes you want to disappear from the race. But you've got to know what's at the end of the race to keep running. Chapter 21 and 22 are yours, but they are not yours if you quit. They are not yours if you turn around. They are only yours if you finish. 
you got to finish. Those who are victorious, those who overcome. This is the goal and the prize for those who will never deny. And let me tell you, I want to make it simple because all throughout Revelation, there's two things. Actually, it's in the Gospels as well, in the early church. Two things that Satan wants you to turn loose of. The Word and the name. Two things. They're, it's not complicated. I could, I could show you 50 passages in the Bible in which the pressure of the world and the pressure of Satan behind the world upon us in the race is just, he wants us to do two things. Let go of the Word and let go of the name. But if you do, you won't finish. The Word and the name. Revelation 21, verse 5. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down. For what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Where did he write it down? John, write it down, John. The one sitting on the throne said, Write it down, John. And John wrote it down. And you know what? You got a copy. How amazing is it you got a copy? So you know what's coming. Or, I'll tell you what, you got another option. You can look at that story and you can look at Revelation 21 and 22 and say, somebody made that up. Somebody made that up. Ancient documents for people who can't deal with the reality of life. I heard somebody describe it like that one time. The, the church people, they read ancient documents because they can't deal with the present reality of life so they got to find an ancient document to give them hope do you believe it the one sitting on the throne looked at john and said write it down john for these words are trustworthy and they're true and you know what there's kind of a weird thing going on every one of us we're deciding with our life every day whether this is trustworthy and whether this is true and the book says if you decide with your life that those words are trustworthy and true, you'll be victorious in chapter 21 and 22 or years. But if you somehow along the race get tired and weary and say, you know what, Bill Nye told me this wasn't real. And he is the science guy. He's the science guy. You know, am I going to listen to this science guy who I can see, touch, Get on channel 18, or am I going to listen to some ancient guy I can't even talk to? Write it down, John. That church at Nineveh is going to need it in the future. <laughs> it will inspire them to hold on. They'll come on Wednesday nights for 12 weeks to go through this. They will. It'll keep them in the race. And you know what? It won't just keep them in the race. Some of those nutty Ninevites are going to go out and tell somebody else about that book of Revelation. And they're going to get in the race, and they'll finish. I tell you, I like new stuff. In that verse, the one sitting on the throne looks at John and says, John, I'm going to make everything new. Now, I like new stuff. I like new cars been quite a while since I had one, but I like them. I like new motorcycles. Don't think, yeah, I have had one of those when I was in the Army. I bought a new motorcycle. In fact, I was, uh, I remember we were uh, in the basement years ago, 
uh, doing our worship service in the fellowship hall for those three years. And I remember getting up in front of the church one day and I said, uh, you know what, I, I just feel so blessed by God that I don't really have any desires for anything material in my life. You know, I, everything I've got, I need. Everything I need, I've got. You know, I just, I, then I said, I would like to have a new motorcycle. <laughs> and the next Sunday, some lady, I won't mention her name, she brought me a Harley-Davidson motorcycle about this long. <laughs> it sits in my office on my desk to this day. I think it's the only new one I got. I like new stuff. But the problem with new stuff, if you're, if you're thinking, you know what, I don't really need a new heaven and I need a new earth. I, I, you know what, I'm, I'm okay. You see, the problem with everything new that you happen to get in this current world is this. It doesn't stay new, does it? doesn't stay new why because this current world is under a curse of death and decay and aging is a problem in a temporary kingdom but what about an eternal kingdom you know there's one flaw with and, and i'm not bashing bill nye i don't know bill nye he's just a funny story to me you know what that's i don't dislike bill nye i disagree with bill nye i don't dislike him i bet he's probably a nice guy i don't know but the problem with Bill Nye is this. Bill Nye's dying. Did you know? Bill Nye's dying. And everybody hanging out with Bill Nye's dying. And they're all pretending like there's nothing after that. And that would be a terrible thing to be wrong about. There'd be a whole lot of things it's okay to be wrong about, but that'd be a terrible thing to be wrong about. Bill Nye's dying. And if you ask Bill Nye, Bill Nye, how do you plan to celebrate your 130th birthday? Yeah, that's what he'll say. He won't have an answer. You see, the problem with everything on this current earth, it is consistent across all creation. We are under the curse. Creations are under the curse. People are under the curse. Plants and animals are under the curse. Everything's under the curse. You know what the curse is? It's called death and decay, and we all got it. We all got it. Because we live in a temporary kingdom. What is promised in Revelation 21 and 22, what makes it amazing is it is an, it is an eternal kingdom that has no end. Death and decay has been extracted from the equation. There is no more death. There is no more decay. There's no more sickness. There's no more none of those things because everything's been made new. Aging is a problem in a kingdom that has last days. But what about a kingdom that didn't have any more last days? You wouldn't even need to count. In Revelation 21, Jesus announces a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. Well, listen to what I'm saying. He announces something. It's unstoppable. A new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. And none of these new places will ever have a last day. They will never be able to use the word the end. So let's start there tonight as we wrap this session up. A new heaven and a new earth. Verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven. NIV translates it first heaven. And the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. Where'd they go? Where'd they go? This verse follows the lake of fire verse. So you got the lake of fire, and then you, you go to the next sentence, and it says, and then I saw a new. 
There's a lake of fire, and then I saw a new. I saw a new heaven. There's a lake of fire, and then I saw a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. The old heaven and earth had disappeared, and they are replaced by a new. Write it down, John. I want people to know. The apostle Peter also knew about this event, and he describes it. It's not just John. We can't just say John's the only one that got the revelation. Peter got a revelation similar to John's. He describes this old earth, this present earth, as being destroyed by fire to make, new, make room for a new one. Write it down, Peter. And by the way, Peter said the world leading up to that time would be mocking and scoffing the real history of man. I want you to understand that if you could survive, let's say you could live, past, you could live as old as a tree. Let's say that God had not limited us to 120 years, which he did. You still won't survive because he's already announced the present earth is going to be set on fire. And you won't survive it. Nobody's going to survive it. In fact, Peter, when he, gets the, when he gives this revelation, he attaches the revelation to the condition of people's attitudes near the end of days. Mockers and scoffers. What are mockers and scoffers mocking and scoffing? The history of man. If you want proof that the Bible's true in this generation, I'm about to read it to you. You see, they would be mocking and scoffing real history, real origins, and the reality of man's judgment day that will come at the coming of Christ. Before there will be the new, the people will deny the old. Listen carefully. Peter, not me, Peter says, before there will be the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, the mockers and the scoffers will mock the original they will mock the old Jesus will come in the midst of people denying creation denying the creator and denying the flood anybody think that's happening today in America I told you that that if you want evidence that the Bible has reality today our culture our American culture is mocking the origin of life, right? You came from monkeys, right? They mock the origin of life. They are mocking the, the creator himself. There is no divine God, and they are mocking the flood of Noah, right? Peter wrote it down. 2,000 years ago, Peter prophesied. Here it is. 2 Peter 3.3, 3. most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, how did he know this? In the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming? Let me, let me put it in modern terms. What happened to your, you Jesus people? Surely he'd be here by now. He's not real. You simple people. You know, that's, that's how it's coming across, you simple people. They will, want that, they will mock. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming? Where's your Jesus, church? For before times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. That's the mocker statement, okay? 
that it's always been like this, preacher. There's always been earthquakes, and there's always been famines, and there's always been wars and rumors of wars, and there's always been all that stuff, preacher. Well, let me read it again. From the time of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. That's their statement. Where's your Jesus? This world's going to be here a billion years from now. Verse 5, Peter said, but they deliberately forget that God made the heavens by the word of his command and he brought the earth out of the water and surrounded it by water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, what word? The word of God. By the same word. Did you catch it? Don't read over that. By the same God and by the same word. Judgment that fell then will fall again. By the same word. The present heavens. Why do we, why we need a new heaven and a new earth? Here it is. By the same word, the present heaven and the present earth have been stored up for what, church? Fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. What's the bridge between chapter 21 and 22 of, uh, 20 and 21 of Revelation? The lake of fire and a new heaven, new earth. They're being stored up for judgment. What is judgment? It's the lake of fire. It's the great white throne judgment of Revelation chapter 20. And Peter, that's John talking. Peter and John must have talked about this together. Because it's the same message. Verse 8, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. But he wants everybody to what? Say it out loud. Repent. That word that many preachers don't want to say out loud today. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. And what's going to happen? When he comes, what's going to happen? The heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. And the elements themselves, what elements? Everything we know of present earth. The elements of the earth. And the elements themselves will disappear in the fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. Now pause, i got to pause for a moment. What nut would look forward to that? Those who know what chapter 21 and 22 have. Those nuts. I hope that's you. Hurrying it along. Did you read that? What? Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this. So you know. I know. I know what's coming. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy, godly lives you should live. Looking forward to that day of God and saying, come on, Lord. Hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire. And the elements will melt away in the flames. But we... We are looking forward to a new heaven. Peter knows. He's, quote, he's saying the same message as John. We're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth that he has promised 
He's promised a world filled with God's righteousness. A world. He's going to make a new one. A new world. Except this one's going to be filled with his righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you're waiting, that, that's us, right? That's us. Dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. Peter says they will deliberately forget. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've studied several translations of that sentence. And here's the thing. They will forget on purpose. And you know what that means? It means it won't be that they didn't know. It won't, you, think the world, you, don't, you, you think the world doesn't know that God announced a flood? They don't believe that it's real, but do you think they don't know that there was a flood, a judgment? They know. They know. But they deliberately forget that. You need to erase that. In fact, to have the current secular worldview, you've got to erase the flood. Why? Because the flood equals God's judgment. And we can't deal with this God's judgment thing, so let's erase the flood. They will deliberately forget that God made the heavens and that He made the earth they will forget on purpose that God used water to bring judgment day on the earth during the time of Noah. In fact, this past week, I was, um, um, I was looking at a Twitter thing from Ken Helm at the uh, Ark Museum, Creation Museum. And on there, he, he has a link there of a, uh, the, entire, the entire visit from Bill Nye to the ark uh it's like two hours long or something i didn't watch it all but if you go on youtube you can watch they both brought their camera crews bill nye brought his camera crew ken ham brought his camera crew as bill nye comes to the opening of the ark well they weren't five minutes into it and bill nye started making fun of ken ham about the a rainbow like <laughs> you and your little rainbow don't you understand how a rainbow works, Ken Ham? It's when the, and he starts to describe all the science guy definitions of a rainbow. He's mocking Ken Ham. And I could tell Ken Ham kind of got a little bristly and said, did you come here to argue or did you come here to see the ark? If you want to argue, I'll argue. But I thought you wanted to see the ark. I'm thinking, oh, somebody's going to hit somebody. <laughs> He's mocking the rainbow. He's mocking it. As if somehow or another, his whole point was, there'd be rainbows even if God didn't make a promise. They deliberately forget. They forget on purpose. That judgment day is coming again, and the current earth is going to be set on fire. But this time it won't be by water. They will deliberately forget that everything that mankind is seeking after is going to melt away in the fires of God's judgment coming upon the present earth. This current earth, everything you know on this planet has been reserved for fire. God's fire. You won't be able to put it out. John writes about it. Peter writes about it. And guess who else? Isaiah writes about it. In fact, Isaiah writes about the new heaven and the new earth 700 years before Jesus shows up on this one. Here's what he writes, Isaiah 62. As surely as my heavens, as my new heavens and earth will remain, 
as sure. So there's a new heaven and a new earth, and they're going to be eternal. Isaiah says, as surely as my new heaven and earth will remain, so will you always be my people. That's Israel. With the name that will never disappear, says the Lord. You know who he's making an eternal in that? There's going to be an eternal heaven and eternal earth and an eternal people called the children of God on the new earth. New heaven, new earth with my people forever. They will never disappear. God's going to renovate the planet by fire to burn away the contamination and restore earth to its original purity and holiness. He's going to renovate this earth with fire, converting it into a new version of the Garden of Eden. Do you know what the big event in that scene really is? I touched on it this past Sunday. And by the way, I am blown away. I'm blown away by, the, by how this and last Sunday's sermon are, are mirroring each other. And I can tell you, I never planned that in a hundred years. I never knew they would fall in the same time frame. I just take it that God's wanting to communicate something very clearly right now. The big event in this new heaven and new earth is going to be what? God's moving here. He's moving here. It's not the new heaven. It's not the absence of the sea. There's no longer any sea. Can you imagine? There's a new heaven, new earth. The earth doesn't have oceans like we have today. There's no longer any sea. Heaven is moving here. God is going to permanently move to the new earth. I need to let that sink in for a moment. The big event for the new heaven, new earth, <coughs> is God's going to relocate his throne. Heaven's moving here. And he will remain here forever. No last days. Where do I get that? Verse 3. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. This is what? This is the new heaven, the new earth. Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they'll be his people. God himself, God himself is going to be here. Verse 7, all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. No more separation. Think about it. Everything made new and there's no curse of aging, no curse of decay, no more last day. So everything will remain forever in its new condition. Can you imagine something being new and then a hundred years from now it's still new? That it's never not new? We'll have to totally change our language. I don't even know how to describe something that's got age on it that's not new. I'll have to think about that for a while. Forever new. That's about the new earth, but what about this new Jerusalem? Verse 2, and I saw the holy city, the new. I've been to the old Jerusalem. He says there's going to be a new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. So John saw a new heaven, a new earth. The first heaven, the first earth are gone. And the, the, there's a new Jerusalem, but it's not being built with bulldozers. This thing's being brought down from heaven. Onto the new earth. And it's dressed like a bride prepared for her husband. 
What is Jerusalem anyway? If you're going to understand what a new one is, you might understand what is Jerusalem. It is the place that God has called his dwelling place. It is the place of God's throne. It is the place of his name. In fact, if you read the Old Testament, God said, I have chose Jerusalem as the place of my name. My name. He put his name there. It's his if God is going to move on to the new earth, he will need a place for his throne. The Lord gave the prophet Ezekiel a vision of the future temple in Jerusalem where he would live forever among his people. And you know, I never covered this in Revelation because it's mainly covered in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. In the millennial kingdom, in the millennial kingdom, while Jesus is on the earth, reigning on David's throne, there is going to be a thousand-year reign of Christ there's going to be the reestablishment of temple worship and temple priesthood and animal sacrifices on this present earth. So if you ever wonder why there's always talk in the future about there's got to be a new temple, well, I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a new temple in the millennial kingdom. Ezekiel dedicates several chapters to the architectural detail of the new temple in Jerusalem. There's going to be a temple there. And the um, the Lord gave the prophet Ezekiel a vision of that temple. Let me read just part of it, verse 7, Ezekiel 43. The Lord said to me, Son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place where I will rest my feet, and I will live here forever among the people of Israel. So if you're wondering if this is one of those prophecies that's already been fulfilled somewhere, uh-uh. I will live there forever among my people. This is yet to come. They and their kings will not defile my holy name any longer by their adulterous worship of other gods or by honoring the relics of their kings who have died. In other words, by the time New Jerusalem comes and there's a new temple in the new city, there's not going to be any more idolatry on the earth. Why? Because that stuff's gone. Abraham spent his entire life waiting on this new Jerusalem. Do you know that? In Hebrews 11, this is how it's worded. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him at his, as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Here it comes, verse 10. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. What's he looking forward to? What's he know? What's he know? Abraham is confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. A city designed and built by God. That one that's coming. Remember the new Jerusalem is coming down from heaven. It's not built by man. It's coming down from heaven. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, he's bringing that place to the new earth. The new Jerusalem will be on the new earth. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. How does he know this? A city designed and built by God. Is the new Jerusalem big enough for all believers since the beginning of time? <laughs> I've heard a lot of people ask this question. Wait a minute, preacher. 
If you go back to Adam and Eve and you go all the way up to where we are, there'd be a whole lot of saints, a whole lot of people living in that city. There's not going to be enough room. Do you think there's going to be enough room? Can the new Jerusalem handle all the resurrected believers from Adam to the millennium? David Jeremiah writes in his book, Scriptures give its basic dimension as a cube measuring about 1,500 miles per side, depending upon how one translates the exact measurement of a furlong. So I, I've studied that a little bit. <clears throat> it's pretty much considered that a, this measurement that we're going to use is between 1,400 and 1,500 miles in modern terms. So here we go. Let me read it. Verse 15. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city. What city? This new Jerusalem is coming down out of heaven. God has made this thing and he's bringing it down and he's got an angel with a tape measure. I bet it's a long tape measure. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates and its walls. When he measured it, he found it was a square. Here comes the cube. As wide as it is long. In fact, its length and its width and its height were each 1,400 miles. David Jeremiah writes, Think of a box that is 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles wide, and 1,500 miles long, which is approximately the driving distance between Dallas and New York. In other words, this city would occupy a land area of 2.25 million square miles. One writer calculated that the base of the city, listen, if it's a cube, I'm only referring to the base, the bottom measurement of the cube, that the base of the city is roughly 10 times the size of France and Germany and 40 times the size of England. So for those of y'all thinking it's going to be crowded and you're not going to get any space, it's okay. Now for the first time in your lives, I wonder if some of you will understand what Jesus said in John 14.1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in many. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. You think he's making it too small? There's more than enough room in my Father's home. If it were not so... Would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? I'm going to go make a new Jerusalem. I'm going to make a place for you. When everything is ready, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will what? Always be where, with me where I am. The city is not just large. The city is holy. Look at verse 2, Revelation 21.2. And I saw the holy city. He didn't just say I saw a large city. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. The holy city is compared to a virgin bride meeting her husband, like a bride beautifully dressed and prepared for her husband. The prophet Ezekiel describes it like this, chapter 43. And this is the basic law of the temple. Absolute holiness. The entire top of the mountain where the temple is built is Holy. Yes, this is the basic law of the temple. What? Absolute holiness. 
Everyone inside this new Jerusalem will be holy because they have been made holy by the transforming power of Christ. Since God and everyone in the city will be holy, the city itself, not just the temple, the city itself, the city itself will be holy. This holiness of man. How in the world can man experience absolute holiness? This holiness of man will come only one way. You know what it is. The blood of the Lamb. Revelation 22, verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes. What are you going to use? Tide? What are you going to use? Bleach? Blessed are those who wash their robes. We're in chapter 22. We're talking about the people who are going to get in this city. Blessed are those who wash their robes. I'm going to tell you, you'll only get in one way, is if your robe is washed in the blood of the Lamb. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city. What, what are we talking about? This new Jerusalem's coming down out of heaven. If you have washed your robes, you'll be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. You remember that thing? You couldn't get to it after the Garden of Eden gate was put up. It's in the new city. There's a tree of life. But you've got to get your robe washed in the blood to get in the city to get to the tree of life. Outside the gates uh -oh, are dogs, sorcerers, sexually immoral, murderers, idol worshipers, and all who love to live a lie. The gates are made of pearl and the streets are made of gold. I must admit that my mind cannot comprehend this scene, but I believe every word. But I try sometimes to close my eyes and see it, and it's too big. It gives me a headache. It's too big. It's too incredible. It's interesting to me that the most precious material on this current earth, gold, is used for pavement in that place, the new city. We've talked about the new earth and the new city, but what about the new heaven? We think of the heavens as a place for the sun and the moon and the stars, right? When we go outside and look up into the heavens, we see the sun, the moon, the stars. We think of the heavens as the throne of God and the place of his angels in his present kingdom. But what about after that? That's what we're talking about tonight. What about after the great white throne judgment? What about after the lake of burning sulfur? What about, the have, what about when the heavens move to the earth? What about when God relocates his throne from the heavens to the new earth? What about after that? The heavens, the skies, and the universe as we know it today will change. They too will be made new. Verse 23. And the city, what city? This new Jerusalem has no need for a sun or moon. For the glory of God illuminates the city. <laughs> Go on, try to use your imagination for that one. Will you need sunglasses? I don't know. The glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. Kind of brings meaning to Jesus standing there and saying, I'm the light of the world. And the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light. So, I don't want to read over that. The nations. I want you to put in your mind, who are they? The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world, who are they? Will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day because there's no night there. 
And all the nations, who are they? These nations. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. And nothing evil will be allowed to enter. Nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry or dishonesty. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Who are the nations that walk in the light? Who are the kings of the world that enter the city in all their glory? Who are they? Who do you think reigned with Christ during the thousand years all over the earth? Who do you think they were? And we're going to return with him to reign on the present earth for a thousand years. Who do you think are they reigning over on the present earth? They are the Gentiles. <clears throat> they are the Gentiles from the kingdoms of men that believed in this king named Jesus. It's interesting to me that the prophet Zechariah talks about another heavenly occurrence that will take place before, even before the new heaven event. Zechariah describes the time at the end of the seven-year tribulation when Jesus' feet are going to stand on the Mount of Olives. He comes to make war against the Antichrist. He comes to set up his kingdom on David's throne. And this is what happens on the present earth when he arrives. Zechariah 14.6 on that day, the sources of light will no longer shine. What are they? The sun, the moon, the stars, right? They will no longer shine. Yet there will be continuous day. Only the Lord knows how this could happen. There will be no normal day or night. For at evening time, what? It's still light. How? 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 Well, you read it over in Revelation. Jesus himself will come in such illuminated glory that he becomes the light of the world. Revelation 22. That was 21, by the way. The last chapter opens with a breathtaking view of the throne of God and the city of God. I want to read six verses. And the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. Now I'm going to pause for a moment. This past Sunday I touched on this. I know it's difficult, so I'm not going to try to go into it deeply. Did you hear what I just said? And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there. So right now, in heaven, what do we know for sure? Right now, today, right now, there is God the Father and Jesus sits at His right hand. They are two. And yet they are also one. The Holy Spirit's here, right? The Holy Spirit's here. In fact, the Holy Spirit's in this room. The Holy Spirit's inside of me right now. I'm just talking because he's given me the ability to do so. The Holy Spirit's here. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and the Father sits on the throne. In this scene, what happens? Let me read it again. And the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from where? Now, the new city has already come down. There's already been a new earth. We've got a new earth. And the, the new Jerusalem has come to the new earth, right? And what's, on the, what's in the new city? There's a throne. And from the throne flows this river of living water, right? Where does it come from? Where does it come from? From the throne. What's, what throne? There's two of them. The two thrones in heaven. God the Father, Jesus is his right hand. And the throne of God and of the Lamb. It's going to do it twice in these six verses. 
it flowed down the center of the main street. What? The water that comes from the throne of the Lamb and the throne of God. It flowed down the center of Main Street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with fresh crop for each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. Here it comes the second time. For the throne of God and of the Lamb of God will be there. Whoa. And his servants will worship him. And they will see his face. This is that word, Shekinah glory. You're going to see him. They will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads, and there will be no night there. No need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign. How long? How long? Say it out loud. Forever and ever. Then the angel said to me, Everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires his prophets has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen What's that last word? Soon. Everything you've seen and heard is trustworthy. Tonight I ask you, do you believe it? Are you sure? Do you believe him? You will. But if you don't now, when you do then, it'll be too late. Some will be resurrected to eternal life and others will be resurrected into eternal death. But we will all experience a resurrection. The Bible is clear. Everybody's going to experience a resurrection. Do you believe in the resurrection? You will. Everybody will. My point is everybody at some point is going to believe in the resurrection. Right now, I can honestly say it seems to me the believers in the resurrection are on decline. It seems to me that the number of people who openly, honestly believe in the resurrection of the dead are few. But there's a resurrection coming. Doesn't matter whether you believe or not a believer, there's going to be a resurrection. Some are going to be resurrected into eternal life, and some are going to be resurrected into eternal death, which is hell. Verse 6 And then the angel said to me, Everything you have seen and heard is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires his prophets. How do we get this message we're reading tonight? The Lord God who inspires his prophets has sent his angel to tell his servant what will happen soon. Look, I'm coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. Did anybody notice along with me there's a whole lot of soons in there? I'm coming soon. It will happen soon. I've said numerous occasions when I quit my job and came here to take this church assignment that the Holy Spirit obviously led me to, I thought he'd be here by now. I'd be a liar if I didn't come here and say, tell you the truth. I didn't have no idea it would take this long. I, when, I, when I resigned my job and I came to this church, I thought, well, yeah, we may last a year. I don't need to make any plans. We're still here. Soon. Peter told us that scoffers would mock the fact that he's not here yet. Soon. I suppose that the eternal Christ doesn't measure soon like mortal man does. I suppose that the eternal Christ doesn't measure soon like Terry Cooper does. Because to me, soon, already left. Do you know anyone over 120 years old? 
Why don't people live longer than that today? You know the answer. God told Noah this before the flood. Let me read it to you. Genesis 6, verse 3. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. You know what mortal means? Subject to death. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. What was happening before that day? Before that day, what was it? Methuselah was what? 969, something like that? 969. What in the world would you do with a birthday cake? Huh? It looked like a forest fire. Huh? 969. Mortal man looks at a lifespan of 120 years as a long time. And the eternal Christ must look at 120 years as a blink of an eye. But I still admit, I thought he'd be here by now. If Peter's analogy of a thousand years is like a day, then it's only been what? Two days. Jesus says it again in verse 12 of the final chapter of the Revelation. Look, I'm coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning of the end. He's coming to settle accounts, and he's going to pass out rewards. Do you believe in the resurrection? Central to everything we've covered in Revelation is the resurrection of the dead. Have you experienced the resurrection of Christ? That's what it means to be born again. It is to pass over from death to life. It is to take possession of Revelation 21 and 22 as your own. Do you believe in Jesus as the Son of God, the Savior of the world? You will. Everybody will. Revelation 22 offers the last invitation in the Bible. I don't know why that hit me, but it hit me. The last invitation in the Bible is found in Revelation 22. I want to close this final session tonight with these powerful words. And here's why. What if the last, this is the last invitation any of us will ever receive? It's the last one in the Bible. Here it comes, verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. The Spirit and the Bride, that's the Holy Spirit and the church. What are they saying? Come. Here's the invitation. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. And I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that are described in this book. And he who is a faithful witness to all these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. And after that, here's my last point in the session. And after that always comes with the before that.
In fact, you can't have an after that unless you've had a before that. We are right now, listen to me, we are right now in the before that. Do you know that? We are in the before that? Say that three times real fast. What are we before? We are right now before the rapture. How much longer? I don't know. He said soon. We are right now before the rapture. He told us that before the rapture there would be a great falling away. A great apostasy will come before the Antichrist will be revealed. We're right now before the rapture. We are right now before the great tribulation and the rise of the unholy trinity. We've talked about what's coming after that. We're right now before that. We're before the rapture. We're before the great tribulation. We're before Jesus stands on the Mount of Olives as King of kings and Lord of lords. We're before Jesus kills the Antichrist. We're before the great white throne judgment and the second resurrection unto death. We're before the new heaven. We're before the new earth. We're before God moves his throne from heaven to the new earth. We're before all that. You can't just look at after that and not acknowledge what happens before that because it's in the before that that you and I live. Right now, today, we're before that. Do you believe we are before that? In other words, here's what I'm saying. Do you believe that what comes next is the rapture? I'm going to tell you what, if you really believe that, it would change your life. Yeah, you do. Because I believe that if you believed you were lost and Jesus had the power to save you, I believe you'd believe in Jesus. And I also believe that if you believe that what's coming next is the rapture of the church, there's going to be a, a loud shout, the voice of the archangel, and trumpet call of God, and a series of events are going to take place. Pow, 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 pow. In the last seven years, there's going to be this incredible events. Hail's going to come to the earth. And if you're left behind, you're in some serious trouble. Believers believe and believers overcome and believers will be victorious on the last day. One last verse, verse 7. And all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. What's at stake here? Victory. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this revelation. Thank you for this promise that if we are victorious, we will inherit all this. It is ours. By your mercy and grace, it is ours. Eternity is ours. So, Father, sustain your church by your mighty power. Awaken your bride from her slumber. Purify our hearts by the word of God and by your Holy Spirit. And use your church to reveal your glory to the world that does not know you while we wait for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all.